1: Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And sometimes a line is just too good to be true, or a handicap on a game just seems too easy. In this case, the Texas Bowl. Kansas State playing against LSU. LSU having under 40 scholarship players available for this game and none of them a quarterback. They were hush-hush on who would play quarterback for them in this game. Their options were two walk-on freshmen or John Trey Kirkland, a wide receiver, who was a high school quarterback and a couple of years ago ran the scout team for LSU. The spread was seven, then seven and a half, then eight, then eight and a half. Closed at 10 in, in some books. Kansas State blew out LSU 42-20 in a game that was honestly not even that close as a 22-point game. LSU was down 21 nothing with 20 seconds left in the first half when Kirkland connected for his first touchdown pass of his collegiate career, a very nice touchdown pass, at the end of the half, and that gave the score 21-7 to going into the locker room. And then Kansas State just kept doing what Kansas State did, and they kept scoring. Deuce Vaughn had a really nice game. He had, what, three touchdowns? And then in the fourth quarter, it was a 42 to 7 game. The 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 total was already done cuz the over had already hit at that point in the fourth quarter. But then it was LSU getting um some novelty scores. They score with uh, about 3 minutes left to make it 42-14 and then they get an 81-yard touchdown on the final play of the game. Uh a meaningless touchdown didn't, you know, Obviously, didn't factor into the spread or the total or anything. So it was 42 to 20, the final score in this one. I mentioned Deuce Vaughn, who had a big day. He had 21 carries, 146 yards, and three touchdowns for uh Skyler Thompson, the quarterback. He threw for 259 yards and three touchdowns in this one, as Kansas State dominated from start to finish in a game that. After it was over, I'm kicking myself for not just betting the house on Kansas State. I tweeted out earlier, and you guys can follow me on Twitter, at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Was Kansas State in the under just too easy? And it turns out it was because the under was, was dead uh, in the fourth quarter. And the reason why I thought the under was because I didn't think that LSU would score anything. To be honest with you, I talked about this game last night, right here on the Look Ahead, and I said I, I just I don't I don't think LSU scores. I think they could really get shut out in this game. I thought the final score might be like thirty-one nothing, thirty-five six at the most. Total was forty-seven, and I felt the under was was that was the move. And the moment I knew the under was dead was when LSU did score that touchdown with 20 seconds left in the first half. It was 21-0. I thought I had a chance. Because I played it small. You know, just a little bit of a sprinkle. Just, you know, just so I can have a little action, a little taste of this game. Because, honestly, I was not watching this game if I didn't have anything on it. <laughs> so, I did a little, you know, a little sprinkle on the uh, Kansas State and the under. And 21-0 going into the half. I'm like, all right, I think I got a chance here. Because the game's playing out exactly how I thought it was going to play out. And I was thinking maybe Kansas State takes the foot off the pedal in the second half and the score winds up being 35 to nothing. Kansas State easily covers. The under comes in because LSU doesn't score. But LSU scoring that touchdown with 20 seconds left, 21 to seven was the score. And then they didn't score again until three minutes left in regulation when they got the touchdown. And then... um, they got the meaningless touchdown at the end. So imagine if like that meaningless 81-yard touchdown was the uh, reason why the over hit and I lost the under on that. That would have been an all-time bad beat. But thankfully, it didn't mean anything. So that's uh, the end of bowl season. That's it. We are done with bowl season in college football. There is one college football game left, and that is the national championship game on Monday between Alabama and Alabama. And Georgia. And what's very interesting about this game is that you would think that everybody is going to be betting Alabama. That all the public will see the number one team in the nation as a three-point underdog. And they will see how... Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and think, this is a no-brainer. We're getting Alabama as an underdog? It's free money, right? And right now, on DraftKings, 70% of the handle, 71% of the bets on Alabama. But why isn't this spread moving? Why isn't this down to two and a half, or down to two? With all the bets coming in on Alabama, why? Why is this still Georgia minus three? And I know Alabama's juiced at minus one fifteen, and so you know maybe it uh it changes, but the fact that it hasn't kind of kind of says something to me. And listen, it's three across the board. Like, I'm looking right now. It is three everywhere. Circa, South Point, Westgate, Caesars, and DraftKings, as we mentioned. Why hasn't it moved? If everyone's going to be on Alabama. Honestly, it's because Georgia's the better team. That game was just Alabama being Alabama. Nick Saban being Nick Saban. He outcoached Kirby Smart, and Alabama outplayed Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think we get a different game in the national title game. I think we get a game that's more reflective of the type of team that Georgia is. You see, the announcers, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreit kept saying it during during the game, where... He said, hey, people that are tuning in for the first time or maybe the second time that saw Georgia get beat up by Alabama and are now watching Georgia dominate Michigan are thinking, oh, wow, look at Georgia really showing up. This is impressive. Yeah, that's okay to say that, but this is the type of team that Georgia was the entire season. This is who Georgia is. If you watched all of their games, they were non-competitive." I mean, the defense was the best defense by far in the country. And the offense was blowing everybody out. They dominated their entire season. There was never a sweat. And then they hit Alabama and they got blown out. They hit the reset button, have a couple of weeks off, they get to play in the semifinals. And they dominate Michigan. And now they get a second chance at Alabama. And I think that it will be different than the first time. So I I like Georgia. I'm going to play them on the money line. And I'm hoping that it gets lower. Right now it's at minus 145. I'm hoping that more people start betting in on Alabama and, and the spread goes down. And it's maybe Bama plus two and a half, Bama plus two, whatever it is. Just get that money line for Georgia down a little bit so I don't have to risk as much. Because I think Georgia wins this game and they get over the hump. They get past the demons of Alabama and their history because it's been all Alabama in recent years. It has been dom- this series has been dominated by Alabama. They have won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have won the last seven meetings between these two teams. Most recently, it was in the SEC championship game. There was a game in 2020 in the regular season. Then there was the SEC championship game in 2018. The national championship game in uh, January of 2018, a regular season game in 2015, the SEC championship game in 2012, a regular season game in 2008. All wins by Alabama. Georgia has not beaten Alabama since September 22nd, 2007. And that game was in overtime, 26 23. Georgia won that game. I understand why Alabama seems like the automatic bet here, people. That spread hasn't moved. And I agree with the bookmakers. Georgia deserves to be favored. Georgia's the better overall team. Georgia's going to win this football game. And they will be national champions. I'm Scott Sadenberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Shift away from college football. We'll get into the NFL picture coming up next. We have to talk about player contract incentives and the prop market, which hasn't opened up yet, but will be quite juicy this weekend. There's a lot of money to be made, not just for the players hitting these incentives, but for us betting on these props. We'll go over some of those coming up next. This is the look ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, right here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
0: if you dare
1: welcome back this segment of the look ahead is brought to you by zinn nicotine pouches a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes dip or vape no more smelling like an ashtray no more spit cups no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you at zy find warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, The player prop market is going to be very, very enticing here in week 18 of the NFL season. There are milestones to hit and there are contract incentives that players are looking to achieve and I think teammates will help make that happen. What I mean by that is, you know, for a guy like Rob Gronkowski, I think, you know, Tom Brady's going to get him the football and help him reach these milestones or, or these contract incentives. Uh, everyone knows what's on the line going into these games. So once the prop market opens up, we're going to see what these numbers are. And I think we have an opportunity to pounce on a lot of really good bets for this weekend's action, let me just go over a couple of things. first, we talk about the milestones here. Cooper Cup needs twelve catches to break the single season record. Now, Cup has already said that he thinks that it should be a separate record, sixteen weeks, seventeen weeks, whatever, but still, the Rams need to win to clinch the division. Cup needs twelve catches to break the single season record for receptions. Cup also needs. 136 receiving yards to break the single season record. And he's had 130 a couple of times this season. And the last time he played against the 49ers, 11 catches for 122 yards. Uh, Tom Brady needs 488 passing yards to break the single season record. It's a long shot. That's a lot of passing yards. Then again, Joe Burrows did that, you know, (laughs) but if Brady does it, he will surpass Peyton Manning as the single season record holder for passing yards in a season. If he has a monster performance on Sunday, Uh, Jamar Chase needs just 45 receiving yards to break the single season rookie record. Mike Evans needs 54 receiving yards for his eighth straight 1,000-yard season. Kyle Pitts needs 59 receiving yards to set the single-season rookie tight end record. Mark Andrews needs 141 yards for the single-season tight end record. And Jonathan Taylor needs 266 yards to rush for 2,000. Highly unlikely, but then again, they're playing against the Jaguars. Well, let's talk about contracts and money to be made for these players with incentives. Stefan Diggs needs just six receptions to get $1.55 million. He is currently at 94 catches, and if he gets to 100, he will earn the $1.55 million bonus, and the Bills, we know they need a win to lock up the division. Look for Diggs to get six catches. Diggs, uh, he also needs 231 yards. That's not going to happen. That will be another bonus. Uh, Rob Gronkowski needs seven catches to get $500,000. He's got 48 catches. He needs 55 to get the half-a-million-dollar bonus. He also needs 85 receiving yards to get another half-a-million-dollar bonus He is at 665 receiving yards. He needs 750 to cash in. So Gronk to have seven catches, 85 yards, will earn him a million dollars. He also needs to score three touchdowns to get another $500,000 bonus. That's going to be a little difficult. A.J. Green needs 75 receiving yards to earn 250 grand. And uh, he needs 10 catches to get another 250 grand. So let's say um, the Cardinals need a win combined with the Rams loss to win the division, target A.J. Green a bunch of times, 10 catches, 75 yards, half a million dollars for A.J. Green. This one is kind of fun. Rex Burkhead, who has come on as of late, um, 63 touches over the past three weeks without David Johnson. Um, He needs 103 total yards to earn $125,000. So that would be fun for Rex Burkhead, who has come on as of late with the absence of David Johnson. If the Texans just uh, feed him the rock, let him get the 103 total yards. It'll be a nice uh, ending to a disappointing season. So that is your um, incentives for week 18. Players looking for statistical milestones or other players looking to hit bonuses in their contracts. So the one that I'm really going to be, what really going to be focused in on, is what is Stefan Diggs' reception total? Because if it's at five and a half, I'm going over. What's Gronk's reception total? Because I'm going to go over. What's Gronk's yardage at? Because I'll go over that. And then A.J. Green catches and yards, Rex Burkhead total yards. Those are the props that I will be looking at here in week 18 and see what the market, what the line is. And then uh, I'll play over those numbers Um, because I do believe that a lot of these players will either achieve these milestones or come very close to these milestones as their teammates will help them out a bit. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We talked a lot about the awards market in the NFL and the adjustments that have been made from the Week 17 games to now, uh, as Aaron Rodgers is your overwhelming favorite to win the MVP, and I pretty much believe that he has locked this thing up. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase, has overtaken Mac Jones. He is at minus 250 favorite compared to Mac, is at plus 190. Maybe Mac's got a chance. He has a big game final week of the season. It's going to come down to the voters. Do you go with Jamar Chase, who just had you know two monster games back-to-back to end the season, um, started out the season hot, Had a couple of weeks there in the middle where there was a low. Okay. There was a low. Or do you go with Mac Jones if you're a voter and say this guy's been consistent all year long and to take over a team with, you know, led by Bill Belichick and to deliver them into the playoffs? uh, Mac Jones uh, could win this award still. He's at plus 190, which is value compared to where he was just a week ago. Offensive player of the year is a coin flip between Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. I'll be honest with you. I think Cooper Cup wins the award because I think Cooper Cup's going to get really close to these records. And while it's been an incredible season for Jonathan Taylor, running backs have had, you know, really good seasons before. I think that Cooper Cup is putting together a historic season at the wide receiver position. And so I believe that he wins the award. Uh, Defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt is now your overwhelming favorite at minus 400. He's got this award locked up, especially with Micah Parsons winning defensive rookie of the year. And then coach of the year is by far the most intriguing award. Selfishly, I want Matt LaFleur to win this. I have a Matt LaFleur plus 1050 ticket. He's at plus 175 right now. But Zach Taylor... Jumped up from the third favorite where he was where he crept up to before last week to now being the favorite at plus 150 after they beat the Kansas City Chiefs and won the AFC North. I think his resume is over though, much like Matt LaFleur's resume is over because there's nothing that the Bengals can really do that's going to change your opinion on Matt uh, on Zach Taylor if they beat. The Cleveland Browns, who are going to be playing without Baker Mayfield in this one, in a game that's meaningless for the Cleveland Browns, what, what, what does that mean? You know, oh, Zach Taylor really coached a great, you know, game. No. He did what he did. He took his team, and they won the AFC North. That's his resume this year. Same thing for Matt LaFleur. 14 wins, 13 wins, doesn't matter. You got the number one overall seed. So for Matt LaFleur, his resume is over. Three straight seasons, 13 wins. First time that's been done in NFL history. For Mike Vrabel, I absolutely think that he's got a chance. Like I think this award is going to be very, very close between those three guys. They're going to split a lot of votes. Vrabel's got a great shot because of everything the Titans, all the adversity, all the injuries that they dealt with. And to be the number one seed in the AFC, how? I mean, how could you not give this guy the award? Talk to our very own Dave Ross coming up next about all things NFL and more. This is the look ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. And my next guest is kind of a big deal. He is the host of (laughs) Betting Across America on Saturdays, the Green Zone on Sundays, and first strike here on v he's Dave Ross. Happy New Year, Dave. You are a big deal. Same to you,
2: Scott. Look, I have many leather-bound books. I uh, have of uh, sweet mahogany. <laughs> I tell you what, man, this year has just been off to a raucous start already. I mean, after what happened with the college football playoff over the weekend, I kept waiting for the Natty to get 14. It just didn't matter at the end. And then, of course, Michigan. I mean, I was 0 for 2 on that. And then, Scott, we rebounded tonight with some nice wins with K-State, an easy cover. Uh, I, I was on Rutgers today against Michigan and College Hoops. So we made up for the awful start to 2022, and it's already looking better here midweek.
1: Well, it's going to get better this coming weekend with Week 18 NFL action, because I really think there's opportunities to capitalize on teams that are fighting for, obviously, playoff positioning and also the prop market, because... This week is where players can hit contract incentives, and I think yeah. this is the time to jump in on the player props based on milestones, whether it's Cooper Cup going for records or contract bonuses like Gronk or some other players. You can, you, there's going to be money to be made this weekend, Dave.
2: Oh, no question about it, and that's a great point, and especially
1: with players
2: that the organization wants to keep happy. Right, So they put these incentives in a lot of times. They go, well, maybe the coach is to keep them down so the organization doesn't have to pay. No, that's not how it works. They want these players to hit these incentives. So if the player is a long-term person, like a Cooper Cup, they want to feed him. They want him to get there. Yes, they want to win the game, and it's an important game, obviously, against San Francisco. But it is something that if they can game script it, hey, Matthew Stafford is going to be looking for Cup early and often to get those 12 receptions. I think it's, it's really a smart move. Uh, If you look at teams with happy players and they want to keep them happy, definitely play those player props where you think they might hit those incentives because it's a two-way street here. where the organization wants to keep the player happy, the player wants the extra change, and then you can profit off that in that prop market.
1: Do you think that cup, should he get the milestones, is your offensive player of the year? With all due respect to what Jonathan Taylor has done this year, I just don't see how Cooper Cup doesn't win this award if he sets the single season record for receptions and yards.
2: Well, as Cooper Cup said, he said he's a little bit embarrassed by it because obviously he's playing an extra game to get there, right? But I, I think you could still make the case and say, all right, yeah, it took him one more uh, game to get there, but this is the world we live in now. It's not Cooper Cup's fault that they went to a 17 game regular season. So, yes, I, I think it, I don't know that Cooper Cup will be pushing for it as much as Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay in the organization, and Leslie, the GM there, I think would actually push for it. it ironically, I really do th- think those three would rather see Cooper Cup get it than Cooper Cup. Hmm. So that's why I think it's I think it's, why it's a smart play prop-wise this week, just because I don't think that he necessarily, because, again, just from what I've seen from him, what I heard from them this week, he's a little bit shy about that because he feels like it's a little bit hollow with the extra game. Organization doesn't care. They want him to be the record holder. They're going to do everything within the game script to get him that record. I think it's a very, very smart play.
1: I know you've been ringing the bell and canvassing for Dak Prescott to win Comeback Player of the Year since week one, Dave. But uh, Mm -hmm. with Joe Burrow's performance over the past four weeks, I don't think you can deny that he has better numbers than Dak Prescott. Ultimately, who wins this award, Dak or Burrow?
2: I think Burrow's going to get it. I think Burrow deserves to get it. Now, this award was over. We had already he put and, and chiseled in Dak Prescott's name halfway through the year. And then, of course, the calf injury against New England when he hit C.D. Lamb in overtime for the game winner. That changed everything. Dak had really not been the same quarterback since. Now, he looked really good on the Sunday night performance against the Washington football team. And then was average against uh, Arizona in defeat on Sunday. Joe Burrow. When you go out and put 525, and then put up uh, what 445 against the Chiefs, you basically throw for a thousand yards almost in two weeks in two critical games that you had to win to win the division. I I just don't see how, when we play this whole thing out, and that's why you got to play all the games before we give out these awards. To me, it's got to be Joe Burrow now in midseason. Oh my goodness, Dak was like, I think it was minus a thousand at one point. Yeah, Scott. This, it was, it, this thing was all but decided. And if we're going to be honest about it, you have to vote for Joe Burrow. And nobody loves Dak Prescott or bangs the drum for Dak more than I will. But if we're going to be objective and we're going to be fair, it's Joe Burrow's. And it's not even to lose now because they've already wrapped up the North. So I know they'd like to close out with another win here, and the Cowboys look like they're going to get the four spot and I don't know that they can really improve unless some, some crazy things happen over the weekend, that we really changed the positioning that they've done now. So, yes, there's still one more game to go. Burrow would have to have an absolute clunker and Dak do something like Burrow's done the last week to really even be con- considered seriously after the full body of work that we've seen Joe Burrow do. To me, it's got to be Burrow or Buff.
1: Well, if you don't mind having your money tied up until February 10th, Uh, Joe Burrow is still at plus 110 and he's going to win this award. And and the other reason why I think you can look at the other awards because Joe Burrow is right now your third favorite to win the MVP award. Dave, now he's not going to win it, but the guy that's in third currently in the odds to be the most valuable player. How does he not win the Comeback Player of the Year? It just doesn't make sense, right? If he's considered, if he's considered to be the third right. best, most valuable player candidate, you would think he would win Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, speaking of MVP, Rodgers has this thing in the bag, right? There's no way Brady can win it.
2: I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't know why they're that's floating out the idea that Rodgers is even going to play, maybe in the first half against Detroit. If he quote-unquote has a bad toe, which the Mannings look like they might have debunked last night on the Manning cast, why would you even throw him out there? Like, to me, I get it, and I, I heard they you know, say, well, maybe having three weeks off isn't the best. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, come on. Does he need the reps at this stage? And if he does, there's, there's a bigger issue here that we don't know about. So I don't think there's any reason why he should play. He should rest. Case closed, Your Honor. Here's all the evidence right here. Exhibit B, this is – he should be the two-time – uh, league MVP back to back, and I tell you the other thing. Speaking about numbers that don't make sense, you talked about the uh, the Offensive Player of the Year, how it's down between Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP, right? Minus four hundred. I think he's plus five thousand to win that award. These are where those awards really don't make any sense. They need to start calling them. Uh, they have to call them, you know, Offensive Player of the Year, not a quarterback. Like we need to put these yeah. things in parentheses yeah. because to have Aaron Rodgers there is like the fifth choice at like plus five thousand. Because they don't want to give him the MVP. And of course, he should win both awards, right? But we're going to give it to a non quarterback for this. And the MVP has become almost exclusively a quarterback award. So if Derrick Henry again wasn't going to win it last year, doing what he did over 2,000 yards, and he couldn't beat Aaron Rodgers last year, there is no way anybody else is coming back now with Rodgers at minus 400. Sits out, doesn't matter. Rodgers is the league
1: MVP. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, listen, college does have the Heisman, but uh, you know, it's it's basically the Davey O'Brien Award and the Doak Walker Award, right? You have a uh, a that's running back that's award that's right. and a quarterback award. Uh, one more award I want to get to here, and that's Coach of the Year. Um, I think it's down to three: it's Zach Taylor, it's Matt Lafleur, and it's Mike Vrabel. I think they'll split votes, and it's going to be the closest vote that we've had in years. Who would you give your vote to?
2: Right now, I'm taking the third option on the board, and I'm taking Mike Rabel. And what I saw today, I think he's still over, what, plus three, 320, somewhere in that vicinity. So it's still really good value to me for Mike Rabel. And the reason is, this can change this week. If Rabel goes ahead, and they beat Houston, by the way, which is not a guarantee down in H-Town this weekend. But if they do that, and do that primarily with a wide receiver, uh, full-time playing quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, and without primarily the king at running back, garrick henry he is the architect of that defense make no mistake about it that's how they're winning football games he shored that up they were awful at the beginning of the year defensively now they're one of the best defensive defensive units in the afc to me he gets the number one seed the number one seed in the afc with those limitations offensively my goodness to me it's open and shut look jack taylor nice job you got joe burrow right i understand nick sirianni making the postseason for the first time in philadelphia that's great He's doing this with Ryan Tannehill and got the foreman offensively. A.J. Brown's been banged up. I mean, he's really duct taped that thing together to not just win the division, not just get in the postseason. To be the number one seed, that to me is, what, the worst DVOA we're going to see for a number one seed in almost, what, 20 years? If that doesn't screen coaching, I don't know what else you need to see. That's what a great coach does. And make no mistake, Mike Rabel this year, He has done more with less than anybody else in the National Football League.
1: That is a tremendous point. Variable plus 350 currently on DraftKings. Dave, hang on. We're going to get to the games here for Week 18 coming up next. I'm Scott Sandberg. He's Dave Ross. This is The Look Ahead right here on v
0: If you dare.
1: This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C., where their football team will get a new nickname next week. Uh, subscribe or next month, whatever. Uh, subscribe to your local city casts wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Scott Zidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, joined now by Dave Ross, host of Betting Across America, The Green Zone, and First Strike here on the Sports Betting Network. And Dave, let's get to the games here for Week 18. Uh, We know the teams that need to win. We know the situations of the teams that need to win their games in order to achieve something. And I will list them right now for you. The Colts need a win to clinch the playoffs. The Titans need a win to clinch the one seed. The 49ers need a win to clinch the playoffs. And the Bills need a win to clinch the AFC East. All other games are dependent on something else. And then, yes, we know there's a playoff game at night. We'll get to that in a minute. But of those that I mentioned, which one is most likely to lose? 49ers at the Rams, Bills against the Jets, Titans against the Texans, Colts against the Jaguars.
2: All right, I do think it's the obvious one, which is the Niners against the Rams. That's going to be the dogfight of the weekend here, simply because, and Scott, I'm I'm showing my age here, I covered both Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan uh, when they were on the staff of Mike Shanahan back in Washington, D.C., as you refer to the team with no name, that's going to finally get a new name here. But back then, they were just kids running around uh, old Redskins Park there you know, as, as coordinators and quarterback coaches, and you knew that those two guys piled out together. They know each other very well. They're friends. Kyle owns Boy Genius, and that is Sean McVay. For whatever reason, he just knows what he's going to do, and Sean McVay has not been able to counter pretty much what Kyle Shanahan has done. It looks like Jimmy G is going to be able to give it a go. If Jimmy G plays, I believe you've got to sprinkle something on the money line here for San Francisco because I think they're a really live dog. He does worry me about Trey Lance if he goes, but if that happens again, if you watch the game against Houston on Sunday, Kyle is not going to let Trey, Trey Lance uh, beat themselves. He's not going to put him in bad situations where he's got to drop back pass and let Aaron Donald 99 come at him. They're going to attack Aaron Donald. They're going to attack the Rams in the run game. The Rams are not good against the run. What do the, the Niners do the best? Run the football. Debo Samuel. Mitchell, they're going to come at you. They're going to get physical up front with the Rams. The Rams, I know they hate hearing it. Well, do something about it. You've got a reputation of being soft. To me, this is a Niners punch you in the face game. Do you punch back? If Matthew Stafford keeps turning it over, seven turnovers in the last three games, look out. Arizona could still hop in there and win the NFC West if the Rams lose this game to the Niners and Arizona takes care of business. I do not think that is out of the realm of possibility at all.
1: So does Arizona then take care of business against the Seahawks? They are laying six and a half points at home.
2: I, here's what I love. I love the Seahawks in this spot. And wow. again, Arizona, Arizona has not been good at home, Scott. They've been great on the road. They showed it again last week against Dallas. To me, this is, you know, I've been teasing a lot of games here with these lines being so tight. This is absolutely not the way you would think. A lot of people are, oh, tease it down to a half point, make it an Al Davis, just win baby game for Arizona. No, no, no. I'm teasing it the other way. I'm going 12 and a half and taking Seattle. You know why? Because Russell Wilson is playing like he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's finally healthy. And Pete Carroll is basically saying, no, 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 no. You don't have to do anything out of here in the Pacific Northwest. Let me prove to you that when we're healthy, what do they score? 90 last week against Portland, it's they score <laughs> again. So I think Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson will make a statement out in the desert that while everybody's talking about Arizona, don't forget about us next year. We're not going anywhere. We're going to get the band back together, get healthy, get some help. I think it's a big-time statement game. They should have covered a couple weeks ago against the Rams if it was for shoddy officiating, and they easily took care of Detroit, who, by the way, had been a cover machine until last weekend. I really like Seattle in this spot. I'm taking the six and a half. But my stronger plays tease them up to 12 and a
1: half. Well, speaking of teasers, I've been waiting for this number to drop. And it's not one that you'd think. It's the Buffalo Bills. The number has now dropped to sixteen and a half, and a half, meaning a seven-point teaser, you can get the Bills at nine and a half. Now, you might think that's non-traditional and whatever, but I'll give you an incredible stat here, Dave. it. Okay the Buffalo Bills' last 17 regular season wins. So that's all 10 regular season wins this year, and their last seven regular season wins last season, all by 10 or more points. If they wow. win the I've football game, wow! if they win the football game, it's by double digits. I'm not saying that they cover all the time because they're double-digit favorites and they lose. Look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right. game. But when they win... The last 17 times that has happened, they have won. It has been by double digits. If I can get the bills down to nine and a half, I'm taking them against the Jets.
2: You know, it's so funny. And I got to give a shout out to Will Hill. You mentioned the City Cast here, does a great job with New York City cast here in Beeson. And I talked to him today on the Lombardi line. And, and my inclination was Jets. And he talked me right off that ledge. I think you guys are spot on. When the Bills smell blood and they beat up on the Sisters of the Poor, it's what they do. When they have a weaker opponent, they flex their muscle. When they play tougher competition, as we've seen, i.e. against Tennessee on that game that I still can't get out of my head, uh, sometimes they struggle with those scenarios. They normally do not struggle with the bad teams. To your point, they didn't cover against the Falcons last week. It was 14-and-a-half, but they won by 14. So I'm right there with you. I think if you can get this thing under 10 with that nugget of information you just gave out, and Will likes them minus the 16,
1: and he, he knows the Jets better than most. So well, the know, Jets, I'm the Jet. Sure. Listen, the Jets, the Jets played their 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 game last yes. week. Yes, that was their home Absolutely. finale. Tom Brady, yep. the defending Super Bowl champs in the house. That's the best they've looked all season, and that's the game that they take with them, and and that's the one that they'll remember. Yep. This week going that's to correct. Buffalo is all right. Let's just get out of here.
2: This is a coronation for the Bills to wrap up the AFC East. I think, still think they're going to be a real dangerous player in the playoffs here. I'm right there with you. I'm I've really uh, just talking and workshopping it through today. I might do that with this guy, but I'm going to play him straight, too. If this thing gets down to 16, 15 and a half, I'm absolutely going to lay it with the Buffalo Bills on Sunday.
1: Okay. Are you concerned about the Patriots going to Miami where for some reason <laughs> – They just have a difficult time winning in Miami, especially late in the year.
2: Is Rob Gronkowski back for this game? Is he guarding the end zone on the last play of the, I mean, they've had some of the craziest things happen in this Patriots and Dolphins uh, situation down there, specifically in South Beach, right? Yeah. It's a weird one. And especially they're going to be over inflated after putting up that 50 burger last week against the Jaguars. And as awful as the Dolphins was against Tennessee, this is going to be the best closing line value you're going to get all week and maybe any game. So I'm going to plug my nose. I'm going to take two. I'm going to trust Brian Flores. And oh, by the way, they went to New England week one and won the game. People have already forgotten that. Yeah. It Feels like a lifetime ago. But that happened, people, in week one. So, again, we talk about sometimes people have your number. It's like the Buccaneers when they play the Saints in the regular season. They just don't beat them. Right? This is another one of those scenarios. Patriots might win, but if this thing stays over seven, seven and a half, absolutely, I'm taking a fish. I'll plug my nose. This thing stays close. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be physical. Brian Flores is not mailing it in after what happened last week, and he wants to have a winning record. By the way, they won 10 games last year. He's got a chance as a non playoff team to be, have a winning record again. I think that matters to him. I think it's going to matter to the Dolphins. And Tua, Still has something to prove as well.
1: The Dolphins have won six of the last eight matchups against the Patriots Amazing. in Miami.
2: I mean, <laughs> that's wild. It's, it's just crazy. <laughs> I think it's Bill Belichick. It's just you—you you can't even explain it, but it happens. And if you bet the Patriots on Sunday on Monday, you're going to go, "Why didn't I follow that?" Because it seems to happen every time down there in South Beach. All
1: right, about thirty seconds or so. Who's in? Who's out? Chargers Raiders Sunday night.
2: Uh, You know, I don't want to root for the Chargers here in this one, Um, but I got to take them. I just think, again, we talk about matchups. Raiders don't match up well, especially if Gus Bradley doesn't adjust his defense against Justin Herbert. I think they're going to have their way in the secondary. I think it's going to be bombs away for Justin Herbert. I see a shootout, but I don't think the Raiders can keep up. I got to, unfortunately, go against my new hometown team. I'm taking the LA Chargers.
1: Dave, you're the best, man. Uh, thanks for thanks as always. And we'll talk again next week. buddy. Happy
2: New Year, Scott.
1: Happy Absolutely, New Year. Brother. There he is. Dave Ross. Good catch much. him on the weekends. Catch him all over the network, really every single day. Guys are all over the place. But uh betting across America, the green zone, and first strike. Uh we'll have some combat sports stuff coming up here in the next uh coming months. Uh you follow him on Twitter, D Ross Sports. Uh, Dave's one of the best here. On VSIM. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can follow me on Twitter at scottsonair. This is the look ahead right here on VSIM, the sports betting network.
0: This is VSIM. This is VSIM. This is VSIM.